Show. My guest today has an amazing book, Dark Aeon, out there that every person on planet Earth should probably buy and read and share with their friends. Uh, we are in a very bizarre time in history, and one of the craziest things going on is what is happening with big tech, with transhumanism, with uh, track and trace surveillance, and nobody knows that better than Joe Allen. Thank you for joining me, sir. Mel, wonderful to be here again. Good to see you out in California. I know. I was going to say meeting you in person was such a treat. You're so awesome. And I'm just so grateful you're back on the show. First and foremost, I saw you were running around there at the uh, the CES uh, confab out there where they tell you everything that's coming on the horizon of big tech and technology. Uh, so first and foremost, tell my audience a little bit about that, that experience and how you were left feeling uh, after being there for several days. Yeah, I was there for, I was in Las Vegas for roughly six days, um, and that was the CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, uh, put on by CTA, uh, Consumer Technology Association, I believe. It's their 100-year anniversary, oh, by wow. the way. They've been around since uh, radio. So, uh, CES is, for the most part, uh, as I described it before, no need to reinvent the wheel, as I described it before, it's kind of like a science fair for emerging cyborgs. You've got uh, a lot of the big tech companies there. They are either boosting new products that uh, that they've produced or uh, boosting new acquisitions. So you had Google uh, boosting a new uh, hologram technology that uh, they just acquired. You had Amazon with their Amazon Smart uh, Smart Home uh, display where you know, every possible surveillance device that would melt into the background is available to you. Alexa, obviously listening to you all the time and telling you exactly what you need to know. Maybe the most interesting thing I saw at the Amazon display is a small toy robot called Moxie. Moxie, we covered Moxie on the War Room, it must have been over a year ago, got a lot of attention when it first came out. It's this I guess, uh, intended to be cute, doe-eyed, little miniature bot that has reasonably sophisticated AI. The intention is for children to interact with it. Moxie's supposed to make you feel good about life. Moxie's supposed to make you feel good about yourself. Uh, Moxie is also meant to deepen uh, the human-machine interaction uh, and to begin that at a very, very early age. You had a ton of stuff there, though. I mean, we're talking about uh, thousands of booths, uh, at least three, maybe four or five different venues, including the Las Vegas Convention Center, and about a over 130,000 people. Uh, Steve Bannon uh, calls it NerdFest, and I think that's by and large correct. You've got a, a combination of a whole lot of nerds who have either made the tech or are looking at what's coming out there. Uh, also, though, a ton of wealthy investors looking for technologies to either, uh, you know, pump the stocks or to even maybe, um, you know, pick up the the companies themselves. And then you you also had, um, you know, uh, Vegas tens in the booths, uh, you know, to lure in unsuspecting men as if right. uh, any of these. Uh, gorgeous women actually want right. uh, to have anything to do with the tech. I'm sure there are a few. 
but yeah. for the most part, they just get paid. And that's the Vegas tradition. So, yeah, yeah um, I, my overall impression, though, is most of these devices will go nowhere. Uh, that's just the nature of the game. In fact, most of I would say most of, if it's a slim majority, most of the devices that get pushed 24 uh, seven end up going nowhere, uh, which can make it frustrating writing about technology trying to choose which ones are the most important and which ones aren't because uh, you can go down a lot of uh, dead ends. You know, uh, just a, a quick note, the metaverse, when they really started pushing the metaverse 2001, I thought that it would have taken off much sooner. It was pretty clear after Mark Zuckerberg did that really nerdy promo video where everybody is running around looking like little Wii characters and, uh, you know, the great writer Douglas Rushkoff said it was like everyone was a deep fake of themselves. Yeah. Uh, I, I think um, that was pretty much the the uh, death knell for uh, Meta as the leader in metaverse technologies. At least it seemed that way in 2021 when that uh, when that big uh, dorky promo came out. However, looking at the various VR technologies on display at CES, uh, looking at the uh, newly released just a couple of days ago, um, Apple Vision Pro, and looking at the continued popularity of deeply immersive video games, uh, mostly among young men, but to some extent among young women, and definitely looking at the increasingly immersive social media uh, culture for young women, I, I think that, uh, again, it's just very, very difficult to call but I, I think that the allure of virtual reality, of even augmented reality, the allure of having glasses that can record everything and everyone around you and show you websites overlaying reality, uh, such as the Meta, I think it's called Meta Stories, uh, the Ray-Ban glasses. It, it, I, I, I'm not going to say with 100% confidence that within five years that will be very, very common, uh, maybe not smartphone ubiquitous, but uh, probably as ubiquitous as uh, personal computers were by the 90s. Uh, and also just the when Meta first laid its uh, staked its claim on the metaverse, which is much, much, much broader, much, much, much older idea, they um, I, there really wasn't a whole lot of uh, really fleshed out interactive worlds to go into. Those are increasing by the day with all of the money they poured into it and all the talent, uh, not just Meta, but many other companies, Roblox, uh, Apple now, uh, and, and a ton of smart uh, startups. I, I do think that what you know what what we're now calling the metaverse, which is primarily virtual reality, uh, is on its way uh, as a as a fairly common pastime for people. And also, uh, what the metaverse actually is, which is just simply a digital environment in which people live, work, and play, that is already well established. In fact, I dare say that you and I probably, to a large extent, uh, live within it. Yeah. Uh, that is that is there's so much there to unpack. First and foremost, you know, when you talk about this moxie, uh, I, it brings me back to Black Mirror. There was an episode of Black Mirror with Miley Cyrus where she was the, the, the young girl 
had a moxie basically and this became her friend and they had downloaded miley cyrus just playing a, a pop star and they had downloaded her like everything into this little computer and then in that and this is a lot with what i talk about with predictive programming from my hollywood stuff is and we got to do something on that you just reminded me um but in that also that moxie doll in that black mirror episode basically saves the the girl saves the the family saves you know and it's this little like um it's it's so creepy and so scary, but I think it's truly what you're saying. It's a very dangerous uh, situation because that's also getting your self-esteem, your self-worth, your encouragement from a AI computerized robot. Uh, some of these you can download your own personality I'm seeing or, you know, it'll start to read you like that. We've talked we talked last time about uh, Martine Rothblatt and her uh, Bina, which is her, her wife, downloaded into a cyber cyborg of some sort, you know, downloading the personality. This is very, I think it's very dangerous stuff. And they're going to, they're going to market that moxie to, to young children. And probably every kid that got a cabbage patch kid back in the day, will probably want one of them. And of course, the other thing that we always have to ask, and I'm asking you the data that these things are gathering in your home, a moxie or Alexa or whatever is going to multiple places, including governments and intel agencies and all of that. And I think people don't really realize the what they are giving over to when they purchase these things. Yes, uh, even if, for instance, I mean, the case of Moxie, uh, in the case of Amazon, they assure you that the information is compartmentalized, that it's kept secure. Let's just say that that's true for right now. Uh, that's there's no assurance whatsoever that that's going to be true in the future. And I think there's every reason to suspect that that's not true now. You'll remember the Snowden files from yeah. 2013. Already, everyone, most of the major tech corporations were shown to be giving backdoors to the NSA and other Intel agencies. That includes Microsoft, Apple, Google. Facebook. Uh, oddly enough, Amazon was the only one not on that list. But, the, you know, presently, ben, Amazon right. provides <laughs> cloud services for the CIA. Right. Uh, they have a very close relationship with the government. They have a number of military contracts with DOD. And whenever one of these agencies makes a request for any person's information, by and large, those requests are satisfied. Not always. Uh, Apple really drug its heels with a, a I believe it was some high profile uh, Muslim terrorist case or some some sort of case like that where Apple refused to unlock someone's phone. But there's oh, also okay. the the possibility that Apple refused to do that and made a big deal out, out of it, even though in uh, thousands or hundreds of thousands of cases they release it. So, yes, I, I don't uh, know of anyone producing compelling evidence that the CIA has a direct backdoor to every single bit of data that is being gathered up by big tech companies, uh, nor do I see any real evidence that the big tech companies are sharing it with each other. So it is, um, if not, decentralized is probably the wrong word to use because it is just a small number of companies, but it is at least spread out, at least there is competition, and at least there is, unlike China, some degree of tension between private corporations like Apple, Google, uh, Facebook, so on and so forth, with the federal government. Uh, but you know, Google, uh, uh, or not Apple, uh, Google and Facebook both uh, have their origins in a lot of uh, government uh, programs. Right, DARPA. So in Qtel, it, it, it's a complex connection, but it's connected nonetheless. 
even if it is secure though, let's just say it's exactly like it's billed that you are, yes, you have an AI raking over your personality or many AIs raking over your personality. Yes, the AI is basically altering your view of the world uh, by feeding you information based on algorithms. Uh, and yet it's still secure. Nobody else is seeing it. It's just you and the AI. Uh, that alone should be enough to creep people out. That shift in culture is dramatic and that to me that shift in culture is absolutely detestable yeah. but you know people I, I think this is the real problem we face mel is that the culture as a whole sees all of this as either uh convenience or progress and uh, an increasing number of them have kind of dis dismissed the dystopian warnings of shows like the twilight zone or black mirror and are increasingly uh, adopting a, a much more positive view, uh, if not utopian. Uh, certainly, they they see the development of AI, of brain-computer interfaces, of robots, of genetic engineering on demand, all that, as being, um, a, a, on the whole, a positive step forward. And as long as that's the case, as long as the public sees it that way, then the many elite powers that really see it that way and are, are pushing creating and deploying these technologies, uh, the more leverage they have. Yeah, the one thing I like about your book, as as compared to some other books that were written about this, is you go from a, a, a spiritual, also a, a god and a, a humanity and the bonds between humanity that are crucial for living a fulfilling life and to have purpose and all of that. And what scares me, especially about Moxie and, and there's other other things like that, is that young kids from a very young age are going to learn that um, a, a robot, a totally not human entity is uh, where they find their best friend or their their mate, you know, even uh, the Jeffrey Epstein funded and other people funded Sophia and baby Sophia back in the day, 10 years ago or whatever, has evolved into people having virtual girlfriends all over the world that not enough people talk about. This is a way to disconnect people from not just other human beings, but also God. And, and what leads to that after that is, you know, anyone's guess. And again, bringing up the metaverse from when I saw Ready Player One forward, I've been completely against the metaverse. Uh, we, we will schedule a, a movie show where I'll go over many and then get your take on them. But again, if people have never seen that, and, and again, that's Zach Penn and um and Steven Spielberg, uh, Ready Player One, that is what the metaverse is on. And that's years ago. So whatever it is now, and now it's a big consumer thing because you see Nike and Coca-Cola and McDonald's have all become partners, you know, of the metaverse. And, and to me, that's really about, again, a, a Noah Harari type thing when he's saying like, what are we going to do with people that we don't need? Useless people will just have them on drugs and video games and um, in a virtual reality, but in, especially in rated player one, when they come out of the metaverse, they live in a burnt up dystopia in cargo, cargo containers, one on top of the other with fire everywhere and crime everywhere, but then they go in the metaverse and everything's fine. And that's kind of where they're headed here. Now, another thing I want to jump to, because uh, obviously the World Economic Forum was going on while you were all occupied with all their friends in Las, <laughs> in Las Vegas, and something struck me, and I was excited to have you on because I want your take on this. Um, um, Benioff, the guy that runs Salesforce, big, big uh, proponent of this transhumanism, of technology, of uh, also on the board of the World Economic Forum with Fink and, and others, um, was up there in a, uh, P I, they weren't panels to me, they were press conferences. So he was up there announcing that there will be digital people. 
And he's talking about this in a certain way, and I'm listening to it. So for me, I go right to the weforum.org website, and I start looking up what they're talking about. Because, you know, then they have 20 years back of whatever he's talking about. And it sounds very like, you know, like it's going to be good. There's going to be digital people. And then I'm reading this, and it took me to something called Digital Twin Cities. And I'm going through it because it's the same companies on the back end kind of that are connected. And I'm looking at this. And what I found is that the CCP and the World Economic Forum have a partnership of some sort where they're creating digital twin cities of cities all over the world, already four in America, but I would probably say more. And to me, this looks like what you what you do talk about in your book and what you're learning about is Every aspect inside the city that has become computerized has become, you know, AI, you know, Internet of Things, Internet of Bodies, all the things that, you, that you've talked about with with what Alexa and the smart homes and everything is actually being captured for an entire city to the point that on there it says that the digital twin city can find you a specific tree in Central Park which is terrifying to me. But what when you're reading into this on their on their website and then you see the companies and they're saying that they they're doing digital twins for people. What this appears to be is that there's I mean it sounds like like you're saying like Twilight Zone or Star Trek, but it sounds like there is a me- inside mainframe and then this one's scary because it's the World Economic Forum and a university owned by the CCP really pushing this out where they can see not only everything but manipulate it on a massive scale without defining who they are, first of all. And second of all, why are government officials, our mayors, they have to be allowing this. So can you explain what a twin, digital twin city is? Yes. uh, You know, there's a couple of different layers to what Benioff was talking about. And to take the first topic, digital twins, a digital twin is simply a replica of you as data in silico so uh, there can be very very simple stripped down digital twins if you for instance uh have a a heart monitor on then simply the fluctuations of your heart rate throughout the day uh, that is your digital twin a digital twin of your heartbeat the more complex the digital twin is or you know the more sensors you have the more complexity you can get out of that twin uh, in industrial, various industrial sectors, digital twins are just, uh, you know, commonplace. It's just, it's just the way things are done. I, I put together a list of 10, at the time, I thought the 10 most important white papers on transhumanism and this sort of topic. Uh, if your listeners want to check it out, you could find it at jobot.xyz. If I recall correctly, it was called Beyond the Great Reset, 10 White Papers for the Future of Human-Machine Hybrids. There were two in there that are really of interest on this. One was a paper put out by the XR Association, Extended Reality Association. The partners include Google, Facebook, or Meta, so on and so forth. The idea is to was to, and this was published, um, the, it was organized first in 2016. The paper was published I believe uh, 2019, 2020, something like that. And the idea was for all these big tech companies to lobby the government to build out infrastructure so that you had the connectivity necessary to build really complex uh, digital twins, again, replicas of any physical object in a virtual space. Um, And also to, uh, you know, lay out the kind of legislation that would allow for the sensors to create these. 
your listeners, I'm sure, are very familiar with the concept of a smart city. Yeah. A smart city creates a digital twin of the city's infrastructure and oftentimes the city's inhabitants. Uh, even Chattanooga, Tennessee has, and Dallas, Texas, they have um, developing smart city programs. On its face, it's somewhat innocuous, right? You, you know, efficient. just sitting around with <laughs> spreadsheets and diagrams. Uh, people are creating twins of a physical system. If you want to know where the water is being wasted, if you want to know how to get rid of traffic snarls, if you want right. to build uh, urban landscapes that uh, serve the people, you're going to want to have a model of the the city to work from to determine these things. But you just mentioned that, you know, that, uh, well, that one Chinese university, but, you know, China as a whole, um, they have probably built more elaborate, at least out in the open, more el most elaborate digital twins of the cities and inhabitants um, uh, of any country in the world. The U.S. does it, too. The U.S. at least has the good sense to mostly keep it under uh, lock and key so you don't know everything that's going on. In China, they use it as a, a, a way to tell the population you're being watched all the time. You know, the smart eyes will see you. So it's a different right. thing. But you've got the, the physical aspect, right? What's the traffic doing? What's the water doing? You've got the people aspect, you know, where are people shopping? Where are people going? Where are they congregating? And then you have the deeper and deeper aspects of it. So, you know, your biomedical companies are creating digital twins of people's brains. They're creating digital twins of people's bodies. Everybody who wears a, a, a wearable that has any kind of biosensor on it whatsoever, uh, that aspect of their personality, their heart rate, their physical activity, their location, so on and so forth, all of that's being grafted onto the, you know, what I would call an intelligence dossier, but what they would perhaps call a virtual or digital twin and, uh, you know, it's, it's very unsettling how comfortable people are with this. They, by and large, either don't think about it at all, or when they do, they, because they've decided, I guess, to opt in, they like to think of it in terms of the, um, you know, the benefits, the, the you know, the, the positives, the downsides. Um, you know, you brought up Harari. I think he's probably been the most... Uh, articulate on the downsides it's amazing they um uh, are so obsessed with him at the world economic forum but uh you know the big downside would be what he calls a digital dictatorship once you have any uh any kind of partnership between tech companies and the government or a government that can produce these technologies itself very rare um then what you end up with is a recipe for a a system that monitors everyone all the time that has AI sophisticated enough that it can do what no human uh, snoop could ever do. Right. And you end up in a situation where, and we are already there, by the way, it's just a matter of degrees as to uh, how much this is being implemented from country to country. Uh, but we are already in the situation where the government monitors not only your memes by way of the internet, that would be you and me too, by the way, right. the government uh, and corporations monitor your internal state, your biological state. And that's really, really important, especially with the addition of genetic information. It can be really important on an individual basis. If someone is specifically targeting you, they can really understand your, your weaknesses. They can really understand how to manipulate you. They can understand what you fear and what you desire. And so therefore you are by and large under their control. Many fantasy novels have been written by 
about wizards that do exactly the same thing, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe the most disturbing to me, though, is the way in which this is used in the aggregate. Um, every political party at this point does this. It really began under Obama, continued uh, under Trump and Biden. Um, they rake up as much information as they possibly can about their constituents and, and also about their rivals' constituents. And they use algorithms to find what are the most salient talking points, what are the most appealing talking points, uh, what are the, the kinds of weaknesses, what are the ways that you can manipulate uh, both your own constituency and your rivals. Corporations do this all the time for products. The government does this all the time for propaganda. Uh, most of the advanced uh, AI programs that are funded by DARPA or the U.S. Defense Department are geared towards monitoring foreign populations for any signs of unrest and any weaknesses, psychological weaknesses that can be exploited. You can be sure the same is being done on us. In fact, there's yeah. a, a, there's not just uh, a suspicion. There's there's more than enough evidence that that is being done to us all the time. And so, in the aggregate. Right. When the virtual twin, the digital twin, the really complex digital twin of any city or any country or even a small subculture, a small community or an individual. Right. If you've got a really, really good replica of any entity in silico, um, then it gives you uh, uh, what they oftentimes now increasingly describe as godlike powers over those people or over uh, that individual person. Hey guys, Mel Kay here. Another great thing you can find on our website, themelkayshow.com, is our partners page. We've vetted all these people. They are patriot businesses. If we are going to defund the cabal, we really have to stop giving them our money. So we've come up with a bunch of different partners that support us, support America. They build jobs. They build the economy parallel, which is what we need. So please go to our partners page. Check everyone out. we got something for everyone there. And uh, they are patriots. We are patriots. You are patriots. we got to all stand together going forward. The economy is a big way to fight, and we can fight back by putting our dollars in the right places and not with the corporate entities that are trying to take our country down. So remember to go over to look at our partners page. We vetted everyone. These are real patriots. The best way to fight the cabal is to stop giving them your money. We have a parallel economy we're building, and you can be part of it. Go woke, go broke. We are done with that. Please go to our partners page. Everyone there is a patriot, just like you. Yeah, it's really, really very dangerous from what I was seeing. If you look at it beyond that, because what you said is true, and this is kind of coming from predictive programming, but also from, uh, you know, the way that they present it. Hollywood is very, not just Hollywood, but, you know, um, the government and the these agencies and everything, they have, they have, they work with ad agencies, they work with behavioral health people, they work with, um, you know, PR firms, they work with, uh, you know, customer data firms, they work with all of that. So it's all very... Um, the ability to manipulate people on a massive scale, be it in small groups or large groups, and it, it all is, is terrifying to me. But also what you're saying about the digital city thing, too, is they can find anything anywhere at any time, including people, uh, it would appear to me, because of this. So it's the the total lack of privacy. Like uh, when in the 90s, when I when I was in school in New York City, there'd be like uh, some kind of like warehouse party, right? And they'd say, oh, it's at this warehouse in, in Long Island City at midnight, da-da-da, and everyone would know. It'd be like a secret, and they'd let it out early. And, 
you go and but now it's like that the idea that there's like a secret gathering is basically over or you know whatever you want to do they can tap it looks like they can tap in surveillance wise to any like square of land anywhere in any of these di digital city twins and kind of see who's there what's going on and like you said there's biometric data but there's also they're tr they're tracking the climate there i mean it's really the the violation of privacy on such a massive scale is is way beyond just your body and then you know to me it's like what if they what if they turned on or shocked that that like so what can they do with that technology can they also you know they can put things in your brain they can change the frequency i mean is it, it's also it seems like it could be a weapon system too in some way be it cognitively or actually literally well again the dod and darpa uh, under the dod they're the most common uh, uses of AI or the 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 most the, the the most widely represented AI companies, mostly startups, small startups uh, who are being contracted uh, to create AI for the military are doing so primarily to monitor people's social media, to monitor um, even you know at, at greater granularity to monitor their communications, their private communications to monitor their whereabouts, so on and so forth. And the openly stated goal, of course, if you believe in exerting military power on behalf of your own country, I guess this is a positive, uh, depending on uh, the degree to which you think that's a good thing. But, uh, you know, it does allow for like uh, unprecedented uh, degrees of, of, of knowledge manipulation. A good example would be, the color revolutions like such as the arab yeah. spring um in, in that in that scenario it's pretty clear that uh, us intelligence uh, did exactly that uh, with much less sophisticated technology than they have now um i think that uh, you know darren Beatty and many others who argue this uh, at revolver.news uh, the, the the argument that what we're seeing now in the us regarding the rise of populism, primarily right-wing populism, and the attempts of, of the establishment to keep that suppressed, that this represents uh, a, color a color revolution, not unlike yeah. you would have seen in the Middle I East agree. and elsewhere yeah. uh, in the in the third world and even some places in the first world. Yeah, it's it's really, really dangerous. It's not, you know, to this, at this point, it doesn't appear to be ironclad, right? Like these people right. aren't omniscient. They're not invincible. They're not omnipotent. I think a lot gets through these systems. In fact, I suspect going forward, and maybe you could call it wishful thinking, but I suspect going forward that the more human beings become reliant on digital models or the digital world in general for their knowledge, for their wisdom, and for their decision-making, that in fact, the weaker they'll become in the long run, the less able they're going to be uh, to analyze the situation with their own mind, the less able they're going to be uh, to, to, to tap into intuitions. You know, I don't right. won't go any further than that, but, you know, layers that these, yeah. these spiritual layers that these digital technologies in many ways seek to replicate. And it may not look that way in the short term, especially in this dark period that we are in, a dark eon, as it were. But I, I think that long term, those who 
are at least hesitant to adopt these technologies, hesitant to accept that framework that the digital is in fact superior in many ways to uh, you know more traditional ways of understanding the world, that the more we're going to see those systems uh, fail the people who are depending on them. It happens all the time. And so, uh, yeah, but, but it, that's not to underestimate the power. There is a ton of power, especially if you are singled out personally, and especially if you personally have put a ton of data online, uh -huh. uh, the ability, I mean, it wouldn't take much at all. You wouldn't have to be too freaking sharp to go over all of someone's data with a sophisticated algorithm that could pick out the most salient elements right. and then target that person for either uh, manipulation or even psychological torture. Yep. Uh, that's been an imperative for intelligence agencies for well over a century. And so I think that there's every reason to suspect that um, that's in fact already happening right now. Maybe that explains why people are so bonkers and maybe that explains why so many uh, prominent people who come out as dissidents become bonkers. Yeah. You know, it is it is so crazy. Last time you were here, we talked about the NATO document that we had uh, covered, uh, the cognitive warfare, the war for your mind. document. <laughs> I mean, they don't even hide it, but that's the other thing. And I agree with you, but because what you're talking about, too, I think people have to really pay attention to, which is uh, it is also a war on your intuition, your critical thinking, your ability to uh, analyze information from a place of of you know you internally looking at all the data and the facts yourself uh, they're making things very easy they're not even teaching kids how to spell anymore they're not teaching kids how to write with a pen or pencil in real life and a lot of that has to do with different cognitive abilities that are developed through pen to paper through learning spelling through i mean these are these are skills that are being slowly but surely just x out of future generations which is why um, I'll, I'll finish on uh, countering this, especially for parents, you know, because uh, it does look convenient. It does look easier. It does look that they are robbing, I believe, uh, not just adults, certainly adults, but also children of developing skills like intuition, like developing creativity, natural creativity, like harnessing, you know, whatever your passion or, or whatever your hobby, whatever your gets you going, they're kind of taking it away. I think parents have to be especially, everyone should, but especially aware of this, how fast this is going and how once it's normalized and, and nothing else is being taught, nothing else is real, uh, you know, this also does replace all that stuff. I believe personally comes from God, your intuition, the gifts God gave you. What I believe is on a grand scale at the very, very top of this uh, pyramid of really what's behind this whole movement is the removal of that. And and that's where I want to ask you, what 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 steps, what tools can we or uh, for uh, for parents out there, but certainly for anyone, uh, be taking to kind of opt out of it. Because right now, I think, in my opinion, this should all be opt in. Everything should be opt in. But right now, the way that they've set it up and the powers and what you're talking about with the government and the lobbyists, everything is basically, if you don't know you're in it, you don't know you're in it and you have to opt out. So what, what kind of just practical top-down things should people be doing to kind of make sure that they aren't or do the best they can to make sure they're not caught up in this to a place where they can't get out? You know, Mel, I'm no self-help guru, nor am I in any position to give parenting advice. So, I, and I am uh, in many ways, my opinion is very extreme. I think that for, I, if every person is going to have a different way of approaching this. Every community is going to have different reasons to approach it in different ways. So I'm not 
I can't offer a one size fits all, uh, you know, step by step practical program. I don't think that anybody who's offering something like that is going to be speaking to everyone anyway. That you know, most people who have a lot of solutions in retrospect, look at all the books written about all the great solutions or all the personalities offering great solutions over the last you know, two and a half, three decades that we've been conscious. They all suck in retrospect for the most part. They're right. you know, it all ends up that they were a bunch of freaking uh, grifters, but. I can give you from my uh, personal. That's what I want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, my, my own personal ideal. Uh, I'm going to highlight two things real quick. I'm going to highlight two different types of tension that, that we're facing. One, uh, the practical level. If you don't teach your child to understand and, and become competent in digital technology, they are on a practical level going to miss out on a number of advantages. If a kid is told never Google because Google's the devil, if a kid is told never use a computer to type out a paper because the computer's the devil, uh, if a kid is told, you know, never to sit in a smart car or use a GPS, then they are going to suffer right. from certain disadvantages, actual practical disadvantages in this world, especially as careers more and more require it. So I would say parents need to teach their kids first competency in a lot of these technologies. The second thing is uh, maybe this comes from my extremists. I, I think that a, a larger view of where all of this going is also very necessary. Yeah. And if you don't want a world in which human beings have become cyborg-like human AI symbiotes, and that's exactly where we are, and it's certainly where we're going in more and more dramatic and extreme forms, if you want to resist that, then you have to instill in your children a suspicion of these technologies. Uh, it's not unlike, uh, you know, early Christian movements viewed the Roman Empire. It's not unlike the monks uh, and, and, and the more uh, honest priests of the mid medieval period viewed the, you know, powers, the, the kingdoms and the worldly powers and even the papacy in medieval times. We, you know, this is always the case, right? Yeah. You have to remain suspicious of the greatest worldly powers, because if you do believe, as I do, that the greatest worldly powers are most likely in service of um, that they are that they are the powers and principalities. And I won't preach any more than that. Oh, no, no, I agree. I, I know my audience is familiar. <laughs> yes. Yeah. At the very least, you need to instill that. But if you don't do that alongside competency and an awareness of the actual technologies themselves, I fear that you will leave your kids at a tremendous disadvantage. So it's, it's got to be a balancing act. Yeah. Uh, and every parent's going to have to do it differently. Some kids are also smarter than other kids. Yes. Some kids are more innately self-disciplined. They have, uh, you know, more, uh, uh, they're less prone to instant gratification than other kids. And right. so different parents are going to have to figure out different styles of bringing them into a very weird and complicated world. There's one thing, uh, one other thing I also want to mention about this, though. Because, uh, yes, there is tremendous practicality in using GPS. Yes, there's a lot of practicality in using a search engine. And more and more, it's going to be ask the AI because the AI is a kind of a search engine with a personality. Um, the more kids learn to do that, as I mentioned earlier, the less they're going to be reliant on their own cognition and the less they're going to be uh, able to kind of tap into that deeper intuition. What the, the, the 
I would say the, the re proper response to that is, is that you, you have to determine what is and isn't truly valuable. If you turn your kid or if you yourself become Google-brained completely so that you can't get around your own town without a GPS, let alone cross-country, right. uh, then you are, uh, as uh, you know, we used to say in entertainment rigging, you are one dead battery away from being retarded. And so no matter how good the GPS is, you really need to develop those skills on your own. You need to preserve the old school alongside the new school. Uh, and if you don't, then you are completely de uh, dependent on the system. Keep in mind, Bill Gates and Sal Khan and more and more homeschooled parents are embracing AI tutors. They're pushing AI tutors as the wave of the future. Wow. For Bill Gates and Sal Khan, both of whom say every child on earth will have their own AI tutor. They won't get there, but they'll get a lot. And then for uh, homeschool parents, you know, they say our kids will use every advantage to make sure they get ahead in the world. And so we're going to use AI tutors. As we go into that realm, we really do more and more risk creating a situation where, you know, you pull the plug on these devices and the kids are completely incapable of right. dealing with life. And then as they become adults, they become that much more pliable, that much more manipulable. And uh, that's very, very bad. You want independent, sturdy, critical thinking children. So um, that's what I would say. On, yeah. a, on a grander note, and I'll just leave it at this. On a grander note, uh, in, you know, we were talking about NATO and cognitive warfare. Um, you know, in that list of white papers and in a ton of different great books written on the topic, uh, maybe the best of which is uh, uh, The Pentagon's Brain about DARPA. Um, it's going to be a real question going forward on a geopolitical level, how much of this we use, uh, because if we end up in a situation in which our rivals have adopted all of these technologies and for some reason the U.S. has decided to go full Luddite, uh, whatever actual physical advantages these these uh, AI systems and various autonomous systems give to a military are going to become very, very apparent. I think that it should be done uh, hesitantly. I think that the idea of armies of autonomous, you know, war bots killing enemies, let alone killing your own population, should be enough to keep yeah. people grounded. Um, but but I don't I also think that you'd ask me uh, the last time I was on, what would I tell President Trump? Uh, I would say that, you know, a wise leader would keep all options on the table, but would reject most of those on offer right now. Uh, and it's going to be very, very difficult going forward because an extremist view, I'm very comfortable with it. Uh, but unless you want to, you know, come live on my commune, um, you're probably going to have to figure out something a little better. Well, I'll come live on your commune. It was fun hanging out in California. You know, it's so crazy when you talk about this. Some of my favorite memories, it's weird, but I loved the library when I was a kid. And that's like where yes. everyone went at the end of the day. And you look through the card catalog, you took uh, 10 books, you sat at the table with your friends, you know, things like that. And when I moved to L.A., there was just still a big book of maps that you had to figure out how to how to read to get anywhere. <laughs> and it was crazy. It was I mean, You were there, too. It was a giant book, remember? And you had to like this map connect to that map connect. 
I mean, all of these skills, but it was also fun and it made you think. And I, and I, you know, I, I miss it. I don't want kids to miss out on that, those kind of things too. So there's a balance that has to be made, but you're right. If you don't also educate in those things too, then they're left out. So it's a nice balance, but uh, again, you are amazing. Um, I love having you on. I want to do a whole show upcoming just about um, film and, and predictive programming in this realm as well. Uh, can you tell everyone where to find you, where to find your book and how to follow you? And you're also a regular, obviously on uh, Steve Bannon's war room. So you might recognize him from there. Uh, go ahead. I think you are such an important voice right now and everything that's going on. President Trump should sit down with you for a list of a list, a list of things to do. Maybe Bannon can do that and facilitate that. But go ahead. Yeah, the book is Dark Eon Transhumanism and the War Against Humanity. You can find it anywhere books are sold. I recommend bookshop.org or the directly from the publisher, skyhorsepublishing.com. Oh, uh, you can buy it by way of a palm print at Amazon. Uh, if you like, uh, you know, I'll take it, but uh, the alternatives should definitely be encouraged. Also, canonic.xyz. If you've got a little Bitcoin sitting around, you get a huge discount there. Canonic.xyz, but it's only sold in Bitcoin. My latest article, CES 2024, Consuming an Ersatz Singularity. You can find it at warroom.org. War you can find it at my own site, jobot.xyz. Um, sign up there for uh, plenty of stuff. I'm going to be doing, real quick, I'll be doing a review of the transhuman temple that is the Las Vegas sphere. Oh, wow. Um, that, cool. should be, that should be up um, Wednesday or Thursday, I hope. Uh, but uh, yeah, quite interesting. Anyway, thank you very much, Mel. Thank you, uh, sir. I, I look forward to talking to you again. Hopefully, you hopefully maybe we can do something in person. Yeah. Uh, on down the road. Well, we will. We will. And uh, let me know where your commune is. I'll be coming there. And everyone, please support people. Get his book. Get give it. Get it to other people. It's really important. Support independent media. And also uh, sign up for everyone that you love's newsletter and all of that. We don't know what's coming with censorship. We don't know what's coming with platforms. But you got to keep uh, in touch with the best voices out there. And Joe Allen is one of them. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Mel. Thank you very much. Everyone's been asking me what I've been doing because I am in better shape than I've been uh, probably maybe in my life and I am now thriving and I have so much energy. I'm going around, I'm doing all these tours and I'm doing the show and I'm showing up at small events and big events and I'll tell you the one thing that's definitely changed my life is superfoods. Mel Cake Superfoods. When I got involved with superfoods in the beginning, I was not eating right. I was not sleeping right. I was not, uh, it was mid-COVID so I wasn't really doing much and I was doing a lot of things wrong and then I found superfoods and it has changed me from the inside out. Not only have I dropped weight, which wasn't even the goal, I really wanted to detox, I wanted to help my immune system, I wanted to make sure I didn't get sick while a lot of other people were and superfoods came into my life and changed everything. I now think about what I'm eating, I don't have cravings, I don't eat late night. There's a whole protocol, it's so easy, it's laid out for you, you take it out of the box, it's there. All your food's taken care of, all your nutrients, all your energy, all your protein. It is an amazing way to change your life from the inside out. Superfoods changes everything. It gives you a protocol, it gives you a schedule. You know what to do, you know what you're eating, you feel great, you look great, your life's getting better. And the one thing I know is you can go to themelkshow.com, go down to Superfoods and you can start your journey. Because today is the day, I will tell you, I waited and I waited and then I started Superfoods and within three months, my entire life changed uh, for the better, more than I could have imagined. MelKShow.com, go to partners page down to Superfoods and click on the link and you will find a whole new world that will change your mind, change your body, change your life. 
So when you get superfoods, that helps me and helps this show keep going. I cannot tell you how much it's changed my life for the better, and it will yours too. And enjoy the rest of the show. Mel K Superfoods. Get over there now. There's no time like the present. The narrative is falling apart, but as it does, there's so much of this fraudulent disinformation, misinformation, censorship coming from the globalists. And what we need to do is be focused on the facts, cut through everything, be discerning, and get it first and foremost out there to everyone. It is important that you know what is going on. Censorship is getting nuts. You guys know it. There's accounts all over the place that are fake, that are not me. I know you guys send me emails and I really appreciate it. And you report it and it's on Telegram and Instagram and Twitter and they're not me. So I'm super excited to announce We The People with Mel K. Be the first to join. It's a VIP community, just you and me behind a paywall, no trolls, no nothing. We get to know each other. I will give you the facts first. I break a lot of stories a long time before other people. We can talk about past, present, future, history, what we're doing now, solutions for going forward, what 2024 is gonna look like. I'm gonna do breaking news, do a lot of deep dives. I'm gonna bring that information to you guys first in a live Q&A every week. So please click the link below and join me over there. We are going to create a community, a community that is censorship proof, it's cancel proof, it's truth, it's transparency, it's on the road to God, country, justice, everything that we want in one place. This is the most incredible, amazing time to be alive. As hard as it seems and as difficult as the battle has been for you guys and definitely for me, all I know is that we all are part of the solution. We are all involved and invested and you guys have the passion that I have. So let's join together on live Q and A's once a week with me, Mel Kay, we the people of the United States taking back this nation. This is so exciting guys. I've been dying to do this and we finally got the technology right. So please join me. Click the link below. Can't wait to get started.